the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So why did I start with this song? First of all, happy Thanksgiving week on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're glad to have you along. That song came out several years ago. You've got to be a little bit older to remember that song. And why did Dion do it? That was Dion DiMucci, all right, of Dion and the Belmonts. And then he went solo and he did the song. This is a huge song for him, a big, big song. And, of course, uh, today is November 22nd. So what's so big about today? Just November 22nd, a couple days before Turkey Day. Well, if you were around back in 1963, this was a huge, huge day. This is the day that President John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. And uh, it rocked the world when it happened. He was shot at about 1230 in the afternoon. And uh, they pronounced him dead at 1 o'clock. I think it was at Parkland Medical Center is where he was at at the time. And uh, three cars behind him. Behind him was uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson. In the car was uh, Governor Connolly of Texas. And, of course, he was struck by the magic bullet. And if you've read anything about the assassination of John F. Kennedy, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, read up on it. (laughs) Yeah, the bullet basically... Hit the president in the skull, passed through it, and uh, got past Connolly and turned around and came back and hit him. All right, so that's the magic bullet theory. It's an acrobatic bullet. Yeah, it was. It was. And then my my part of when I read about uh, the assassination is if you've seen the Zaputer film, you see uh, uh, Jackie looks like she's crawling over top of. Right. The president to protect him. I don't believe she was crawling over him to protect him. I think she was crawling over him to get out of the damn car. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I mean well, it looks like it you watch you watch your husband's yeah. head explode like that. I think I'd be trying to get away yeah, from the car. Next. Yeah, as fast as I possibly could. And then uh, the Secret Service, who is around the car, you do have the one guy that runs up and jumps over top of him and lays over top of him. I was 10 years old when that happened, and I can remember like it happened yesterday. I remember being at school, and the teacher walked up into the front of the classroom and said, school is being dismissed early today, 30 minutes. And we didn't have no clue. We didn't have TVs in our classroom at that time. Uh, later on, we did. They put a TV in all the classrooms, had on that cart that you rolled around right. and all of that. And uh, I went home, and I remember walking in the house, and my mother was sitting in front of the TV crying. Wow. It was huge. It was a huge day. And my dad hadn't even voted for Kennedy. He voted for Nixon. My, my first introduction into Kennedy would have been in elementary school with the Misfits and the Song Bullet. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You know, bottom line, that, that that was a huge, huge historical thing. And there's many of you uh, who are like me remember that like it was yesterday. If you're if you're younger than eighty, you probably and older than fifty, maybe you remember it pretty clearly. Because it was always remembered. Now, don't forget, we're, I'll just let you know a little uh, advertisement here. Uh, we're going on our trip next year, and we're going to Washington, D.C., and part of the trip is we'll go see the Eternal Flame at, oh, Ar- at Arlington. Cool. So we want, to, want you to take part in that. If you need to know more about it, littlerocktours.com. Okay? Go check it out. You'd probably like to go to it. That's going to be a – I'm looking forward to it because we're going to go hang out at three different uh, embassies. We don't know which countries yet, but we're going, to, we're going to different embassies. And, of course, when you walk on the grounds of the embassy, you leave the United States. Yes. You're subject to other – That's exactly sovereign, right. Sovereign ground. Maybe we could get Russia and we could all get arrested. That'd no. Be <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I feel like Griner put me in a yes. put me down there in one of those uh, you know gulags that they got going up there. They'd like to have me there, I'm well, sure. Did they not put her in a work camp? Yeah, that's why I said gulag. Yeah. That's yeah, what that's a what a work camp, camp yeah. was. They hey. they call them work camps now. Yeah. They call yeah. them gulags. And, you know, Solzhenitsyn was there for quite some time when he was uh, being as a political prisoner. Um, it just goes to show. It does go to show that when you're in somebody else's land. Find out what the drug laws are before yeah. you well, go there. Well, look at the soccer games. They're selling no alcohol at the soccer well, games. Well, it's a and, Right. It's but they had agreed country. originally to sell alcohol, and they said that the equivalent of their sin tax would be like $900 a cup of beer. I'm mm-hmm. just waiting for the football hooligans to get theirs and the firm to make it down as Manchester United is, and it'll be on. It just puts yeah. a whole bunch of people at risk. No drinking. For being in a different country and doing something really stupid. Yeah, you get in the, the you get into the uh, judicial system of some of these other countries. Have you ever seen the movie Midnight Express? Ages ago. Yeah, yeah. years ago. That's a pretty good movie. To, I remember when that came out and everybody was saying, they can't do that. I said, it's their country. They yeah. do whatever they damn well please to do. You know, and uh, that's a that's a great movie. It it's really a scary is a good thought. movie. Yeah, it is. Last thing I want to do is be in prison in some other country and be presumed guilty uh, before I'm 
even thought of being innocent. What is it? Some of the countries like the Philippines, I do believe, is it's a death sentence for drugs or at least certain drugs. Certain drugs, yeah. I haven't been back to the Philippines since Marcos died. He was he was the head honcho over there when I was there, well, you know. That, and then Imelda, I think I think I have Imelda, aka Shoe. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's Simone. Is I have an Imelda at home? <laughs> you got a bunch of shoes? Yeah, my house isn't big enough for him. Well, that's that, that sounds like Imelda. I've got Marcos. storage units full of shoes. That's Imelda Marcos. Yeah, yeah. The, the first yeah, emptying yeah. of our first storage unit we had that we hadn't seen for ten years is there were over a hundred shoes in this storage unit. Amazing. There you go. They were nice shoes, though. Well, they so were. was hers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she spent a lot of money. But today uh, is the anniversary of the uh, assassination of John F. Kennedy uh, and the 35th president of the United States. And 1963 was not a good year for violence in America. Let's let's think about that. Remember what name of the name of the song was abraham martin and john all right because martin luther king was assassinated in yep. memphis yes, in 63 and then later on that year uh, in la bobby kennedy was shot down by sirhan sirhan and uh, was assassinated there so you had a president you had his brother shot and you had one of the greatest uh, preacher civil rights activists that uh, other than some of the early abolitionists, now was that did, walked. Did Sirhan Sirhan? Did he say that he uh, he was set up, or did he? Yeah, not? he of course. They all say so. That. All three yeah. of them said they you know. all say that they were set up. I don't. I, well, no. Look, I mean Martin Luther King. I mean, uh, what was that guy's name? James Earl Ray. James Earl. He never said he was set up. He did. He said that he didn't. He eventually said he did not do it. Is an even King's. Family. I, family came out is and were on his side is and saying that that they don't believe that he was the one that that killed Martin Luther King. Well, let's face it. Now the FBI didn't like Martin Luther no. King. All right, we know that for a fact. Now we've seen the files. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was not good the way J. Edgar Hoover was was doing it at that time. And I'm I'm kind of hoping that we'll get into some of not that particular case, but some of what the the, the, the FBI has been doing when the uh, Republicans take over the House and some of the hearings that they do, because they're, they're looking at the FBI very, very yes. critically. As they need this, to. Well, yeah, absolutely. The, uh, Frey, or whatever his name is, Ray, or Ray. however, however Ray. he pronounces his name, Ray. that guy is the worst of the worst as far as I'm concerned. Did yeah. you? We, we've got these uh, whistleblowers. We've got 14 whistleblowers that say you did this, 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 this. Mr. Ray, what do you have to say? Uh, I really can't get into that at this time. Right. That's his go-to answer. Well, uh, I think the greatest... I'll get... Jen Saki. I'll get around to it. Circle back. The, the, the good one that just came out was the uh, second in charge of the Oath Keepers who was on his way to testify, who had a heart attack on his way because the uh, def- defense had called him up. Defense. He had a heart attack somehow, so he couldn't show up. He was an FBI agent all along. Yeah. Isn't it kind of weird... That's kind of strange. Oath Keepers, look, I belong to the Oath Keepers. Here's what the Oath Keepers said, just for everybody who doesn't have any idea. Three percenters. We were basically all military members. Mm -hmm. And what we said is just because you leave the military, 
does not negate the oath you take to your country, that you'll protect it from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And uh, that's the way we feel. Does that mean that we want to assassinate people? No. At least all the meetings I ever went to, nobody stood up and said, hey, let's talk about assassination tonight. Uh, No, we didn't do any of that. We just want to make sure America stays America. And there are certain people still to look if you look around and you can't tell that there's people that don't want America to be America, you're blind or yes. you're willingly accomplice. ignoring things or you're an accomplice. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And if you're not fighting against those people, you're a person who's taken part in it. Well, it's going to be a scary next few years, I think. Yeah, I, I hope they've on. got a lot of uh, extra security for some of these candidates, to be honest. All right, 618, let's take our first break. Got to get that taken care of. And my good friends in East End Towing want you to remember, if you get stuck on the side of the highway, man, I'll tell you what, the worst, suckiest time that can ever happen is if you're going somewhere for a holiday and you find yourself on the side of the road. <laughs> All right? Your car breaks down. You're on there on the right-hand side. And, uh, you know, they're putting you on the back of the truck. They're not putting you on the hook usually anymore. You know, they don't do that as the way they used to. Now they put you on the back of the truck or they put you in stirrups, as I like to say. And, uh, you know, they, they check you out and they say, where do you want to go? And you tell them what garage you want to go to. That's the way East End Towing works, at least. Just know whatever the situation, they'll take care of you. It could be could be that for whatever reason, you're taking your party barge down to Hot Springs and you're going to put it out on the lake. Now you're going to take a ride around the lake on uh, Thanksgiving Day because the whole family's going to be down there. And then uh, the trailer that you're pulling it on blows a bearing and you're stuck on the side of the highway and they've got all the necessary equipment to give you off of there. Uh, the folks at East End Towing to take good care of you. 888 888- 8849. That's your number. 888-8849. Use, of course, use 501 before all those other numbers. So 501-888-8849. Back with you. 622. Simone is here. That isn't me just doing another voice, okay? <laughs> There's a woman in the studio. Why, yes, She's with us. Yeah, she's doing her thing. Eric, her husband, is here. He's hanging out with me. Truck driver extraordinaire. Hello. <laughs> so are you still driving trucks? I am not. You are not? No. Now. What are you doing now? Is I'm doing construction right now. Is that where it's hot at right now? Everybody needs needs uh, workers? I don't know about hot, but it is what it is. Is uh, you got to work somehow. Is I, I ain't one to sit around as and try to do nothing. So is it's a matter of I could go back to driving or I can try to figure something else out. Okay. And at this point, is I may be trying to figure something else out. So what's the problem with, with uh, driving now? We There's won't the, don't a, mention any names. Not a problem <laughs> with it is uh, there, was a, there was a problem with the company I did work for as far right. as things went, is once you get on someone's bad side, is it kind of goes downhill from there, I guess. You have a hard time finding other jobs? Not at all. No. Is I could find a job in, in, they in would the have same me a, company. Right. I, I, well, yeah, is they told me when everything came came down is that uh, called me back within the same week and told me, is hey, is uh, what are you doing? You need a job? Is uh and that I I as and when I told him is uh well I I just got a uh, I I just got let go from from here is uh and they said is oh well let me look it up is looked it up and said oh well, we'll hire you back in December give us a call 
you know, but hey, is after 10 years, you know, uh, eight years of working with the same company is you can hire me back in December for, you know, starting pay is, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, as no. far as driving goes is, yeah, is I could have a job tomorrow. Uh, I just, after 10 years of driving, you know. I told it, your wife who you should call. Who is that? You should call Walmart. Well, yes, I know. Is it's one hundred and ten, hundred twenty thousand dollars chart? You can pretty well make that at most places if, if, now. If they'd let me drive, I drive because I love to drive. Yeah. The, the only problem with it is, is that that hundred and something thousand is you're gonna be gone. I mean, it's, uh, it's yeah. gonna be months at a time. It's yeah. the only reason that I was hanging on where I was at. It's because oh, it was you didn't have to travel as much. I, I did, but I was only gone for three days a week, isn't? Yeah. I was killing it. I live in okay. Arkansas, so you know the money I was making for three days a week yeah. is was killing it. Tell him to be gone for three days a week. So. <laughs> <laughs> Simone's not happy about when I'm gone. Yeah, that's it. Never fails that when your other is gone, something happens. Yeah. That's usually exactly That's the day something he happens. leaves. Something yeah. will either shut off or I can't fix this or yeah. the dog has had an incident or something's going on. Well, you, you should know, Davis, for the first 10 years of Simone and I being together, is there was probably at least nine of those years where there wasn't probably more than 10 minutes or 15 minutes throughout the day when we were apart. Oh, Okay. Other than when you were except work. except work is I, yeah. yeah so I guess well yeah I'm going to be honest with you I don't know if I could have lived like that <laughs> I, I mean I love my wife but I don't want to be with her constantly we were as everyone kept would say as we were like two crazy peas in a two pod. peas in a pod <laughs> yeah. yeah in a pot of boiling hot water <laughs> I'm just saying man I couldn't I couldn't do it I just couldn't do it. You guys ready for Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah. well, I, we don't have to cook, so that's Oh, you good. don't? You're going no. somewhere else? Yeah, we're going two places. Where so. are you going? We're going to Aunt Donna's and then Aunt Jerry Ann's. So. Okay, well, I don't know where either one of them lives. Are oh, they here right. in state? One's right next to us in Jacksonville, and the okay. other's over at... Uh, in Lone Oak. Lone Oak. Oh, then you're close. Yeah, so we're, it's going to be an easy-peasy. Yeah, yeah. And you can eat, get done, them. shake it down, and go to the other place. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're both amazing cooks. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, yes. great cooks. So normally great cooks have like a particular pie or cake they make. Is that the way with Aunt these folks Donna, are? you can pick anything, and she's got a down par. I mean, she got married when she was, what, 15 or 16? 15. 15 years old, and she's Don't been say that maker. too loud. The people up north don't understand right. that stuff. Well. Well, <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't to a cousin or an yeah. encore or anything. It wasn't Jerry Lee Lewis. She no. wasn't major. Okay. It, it wasn't Jerry, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but she is an amazing homemaker. I mean, she makes it look like an art form. Really? So, and Jerry Ann, she uh, <laughs> she worked most of her life, but she's uh, retired now, so she's got a. Uh, well, between her and my my uncle is uh, cooks too. Yeah, they just cook is and kill it. So is it well, the potluck over well. there? And oh, cool. Eric yeah. cooks. He likes to cook. So now, do you like to cook, or do you like, or you like me? I'll cook, but I'd much rather bake. No, he I likes to cook. Cook whatever. I I like you know figuring something out and if it tastes good then i'll cook that for the rest of my life is okay. you know but if it's if it's nasty you know as i like reading cookbooks and going ahead and let's make this okay, let's see so how what, it tastes so what is your favorite meal that you make he's really good at steak 
steaks. Ooh. I mean, I'll kill a steak. Is uh, well, no, I ca- mean, steaks really kill good. you. It yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As well with with all the butter you put on them, it's they, they yeah. Well, yes. yeah. You got to put butter on people. Yes. Don't, and you got to get you got to have a grill. You got to have a, a a broiler that you can use. Mm-hmm. Because you gotta sear that steak. Yeah. Well, we use the uh, the air fryer. air fryer. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep it. Gotta hold those. Lock those juices That's in, it. baby. Gotta do and because that. Because of my teeth or lack thereof, I only mignon fillets. So yeah. there. I mean, he kills the fillets. Okay. Now, do you get them well done, medium well, medium rare? Oh, or medium, medium rare. rare. Me- okay. Medium then well. and then at least. Teeth or no teeth? Yeah, right. you can eat it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it just right. melts in your mouth. You know, I mean, I I don't have upper teeth. I got fake upper teeth. Yeah, well, I mean, I do have fakes in guys so that yeah. are just listening and can't see me. She yeah. forgot so. to do the dishes. She was like this. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. Took me a while to get used to them because I did sound like I had a lisp for a while when I first got used to them. Oh yeah, that that was a hassle. I my dentist was really freaked out because he knew what my job was. Right. And he says, Dave, you will have to get used to these before you go back on the air first because if you don't, people will wonder what's wrong with you. Yeah. And well, so it sounds I, like I you got a speech impediment yeah, when you I, first get them. Yeah, and i got to watch out sometimes because I get dry mouth and then yep. my tongue starts sticking to the top of my dentures. But anyway, you don't burn the top of your mouth anymore. Take a break. Let's <laughs> keep going. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Hope you've gotten ready for, uh, you know, Thanksgiving. I have to make a cake yet. I'm making an experimental cake. I've never made it before, Erica. You know, it's a dangerous thing to make something absolutely new that you've never made before for a big holiday. You're not test running it? you got 22 members of your family going to be there. Men, men don't be test good. run things. No, really. I, I have enough... enough you can look at the ingredients, That's it. and I can say, yeah, my family, I like this. Yeah. I'm making an eclair cake. Oh, I bet that's you good. You like eclairs? Yes. Okay, chocolate eclairs? Yes. This is chocolate eclairs. Here's what, four main ingredients. You've got graham cracker, all right? You have vanilla pudding. You have Cool Whip. Mm-hmm. And then you have chocolate frosting. That's it. Easy peasy. That'd be easy enough. You make that vanilla pudding, and then you put a big, uh, big old bowl of that, you know, uh, uh, whipped cream mm-hmm. in it. Mix it all together. Yeah. You put a, a thing of graham crackers graham in cracker uh, nine crust. by thirteen. You always got to have. You should have more than one nine by thirteen. Yes, yeah, spring form You need too. more. Yeah, I got two of those. But anyway, you put put in the graham crackers, and you put a layer of the filling. Then you put graham crackers, and you layer of the filling. Oh. Graham crackers, layer of the filling, and then you put the chocolate frosting on top. All right, that sounds good. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. I mean, you just yeah, I look at that, and my mouth starts watering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I like chocolate. And I like eclairs, yeah. so if I think if I like it, I think everybody else will like it. And I make something else that I'm the only one in my family that really, well, I, I, my daughter, my oldest daughter, likes it. I make a, a family recipe fruitcake, and it's not like one of those ones that you buy at the store <laughs> that's all gooey and stuff. It's not like that at all. It's really good. Hmm. I'll, make, I'll make three of those during Christmas time 
and I'll eat them. Well, you know, my big <laughs> issue about cooking for myself was always that I'm a very paranoid person. So going places and having someone else cook my food. You afraid they're going to slide something in there? I, I would don't know rather how many make restaurants it. we yeah. can't go to because oh of, that place. That's yeah, what kind of what kind of mushrooms is on that pizza? Yeah. Something. <laughs> what kind of special sauce? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, yeah, we all you know that happens every so often. All right, just ever so often that somebody spits in your food or something. Well, and usually. You've been a, a real idiot to him anyway. You have it coming. Well, Th- Thorson, the, the, the youngest boy, is he's the one that kind of got me out of it. He's, he told me, his, look, man, as long as, as long as I don't know it is I don't care. Yeah, but, that, but that's true, too. Yeah. If you can't taste it, what are you worried about? Yeah. He figures it <laughs> Unless in. Unless it's anthrax. No, I, can al- I can always taste it for one reason. I'm always, yeah. Yeah, was, oh, that's got to be something. Yeah, there's something in there. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So what's your... what? Are the main dishes you want to see on the table in front of you at Thanksgiving? Turkey stuffing and mashed potatoes. Okay, cheesecake. Cheesecake. Yeah, cheesecake. I'm a cheesecake. Now, do you like cheesecake that you know they dribble that little bit of strawberries on top of it? She likes it all, man. Or I like cheesecake, like a New York cheesecake, that's which is a like. straight cheesecake. Yeah, and on top of it, they pay, they make the topping that's sour, sour cream. cream. I, I will Love fight it. you over the last piece of it. Yes, that. all right. I I'm will down fight with your you. Struggle. All right, and I, I, I've got a fork. I'm a dangerous person. We we will have eight to nine different cheesecakes sitting in the refrigerator oh, at any goodness. given time. They're those little ones from Sam's. They may oh, be small. Okay. They may small be small, ones. but the, it'll be strawberries on top, blueberries, chocolate, chocolate sprinkles. Yeah, I, mean, no, I can handle blueberries, all right? I get good. tired of the, the strawberries. Well, I like the white up, so. chocolate raspberry. Yeah, that's good. That's like, and from Cheesecake Factory, they make the best one. Yeah. They're not yeah. thick enough. Simone, Simone's got some OCDs, so there are times when we, we had gone on a years of the only thing she would eat was like popcorn is i mean like simone you're it's not getting any item. or or yogurt item. or cheese i think we went through a year of cheesecake too didn't we maybe i yeah i have a one item thing where i'll go through it's, one item and that's simone you can't sustain yourself you stuck, huh? yeah. yeah just eating cheesecake oh, oh yeah now do you have is. do you have those rugs up on the floor that have the tassels, and then you walk into the house and you got to straighten them out before you get. No, no, no. Well, no, because I could. That would drive me nuts. Remember the guy that used to do the the, the slime show on uh, Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon and stuff. He he's big OCD guy. You can't do that on television. And he'd want. Yeah, he got to the point where he couldn't do the show because he. No, I bet things they would move things. While well, if he was I touch showing, something, I have to touch it twice. Like oh, if okay. I t- tap something and I notice I've tapped it, I'll have to tap it again. I, the I, only you, thing that I tap is the is the tab on a on a a beer, <laughs> and three times, man. You it's me touching it. Like, oh, you know, anytime I touch something, and it's gotten lesser than it used to be. It used to be, I you know, count. you had to. Yeah, I had to. It would just eat me up if I didn't. Yeah, I, or I would fear. I used to have my own OCDs until Simone moved in. Is and uh, you know because I. I didn't use any part of the house except for my bedroom. Isn't then Simone when when I got Simone, she decided that we have to use all of the house. 
is uh <laughs> Well, the cats had the reign of the rest of the house. And I didn't like to see stuff moved around because it just didn't look right anymore. I I can understand that. I understand what you're saying. Because everything just always was clean, as and then Simone said we have to use stuff. I didn't say that. It's just the Yeah, you didn't say anything about that. You just kind of started moving it. Yeah, well, you invited me. These are are the, 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 the fights that you go through in life. Well, these are the worst fights that we ever have. This yeah. is about as loud as it gets. Yeah, I yeah, we're you. not not too fight worthy. We don't we don't have too many soap operas. Yeah, I once in a great while at my house. Ours are always over dishes and sandwiches. Sandwiches, <laughs> sandwiches. Where's my sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I, our, mine is is typically. My wife hates credit cards. Oh, I know you have to have a credit card. I hate them. I I don't like them, but you got to have one. You need one. If you don't have it, you can't. Half your life is taken away from you anymore. So I have I have one, and I keep a little bit of a balance on one. And she goes, "But look how much money you're paying now." This was our latest argument. Look at what you're paying now. It's like twenty one percent on your credit card. And I go, well, no, it isn't. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, I've got the first 18 months interest-free. Now, oh. Now, I know the date when that goes up. And when that goes up, I will already have cut that card up. Yeah. <laughs> and I will pay it off. And I'll buy it. I'll get a new credit card that doesn't have interest on it. Right. I, that, that's, I've been doing that for years. Planning. And she doesn't. Well, she, but she doesn't understand. And then I, I touched on the third rail of arguments. Oh, Lord. I, uh, I made this statement. I said, I, I got you a credit card. Well, I've never used it. I said, I don't care if you never use it. I got it for you just in case. Right. And she says, what do you mean just in case? I said, Linda, I take care. I try to take care of you. So, for instance, I've got, you know, I've got life insurance oh, just Lord. in case I pass on before you do so that – I, I said, be honest with you, I'm worth more to you dead than I am alive. That's that's Simone and I's I newest one. I should never have said that phrase. Well, we need to get life insurance. Well, and when you say that, is that's what I was going to say about it, is that's our newest one. Is, and I think she just wants me all. She's like, yeah, let's get some life insurance. You're going <laughs> to, just in case. Well, that's, but I bought it, all right? I mean, I got a 200000 I got a $200,000 <laughs> $200, policy, all right, on me. That's the scary part, too, is she said she'd pay the premium, right? Yeah, there uh, you go. Oh, yeah, huh? hey, thanks. <laughs> I'll make sure that we don't what miss do you that leave payment. Me <laughs> Yeah, well, that's how I feel for my about my wife. Right. I don't. I I want to make sure that she can pay out the house, and she can because I don't owe us that much on the house anymore. And I and and that's going to all be taken care of. And I can close my eyes and know I'm not going to open them up again and and feel good about it. Well, he'll be able to close his and know he's gone. So that's true. So, so she's just betting on that I die first, right? No, I think I have to. Well, my wife got upset now. I told her because I know how she's going to react when I die. All right, I told her. To be honest, I hope that you die before I do. Oh, I will never say that again. No, no, no. Even though it's true. All right. She'll go through an inordinate amount of time. She's a person. Everybody grieves differently. All right, I understand that, but she can, she can, she grieves like for five years. Okay, 
I grieve for because of my faith. I gr- I'm going to see those people again. I only uh, I only grieve for a couple of days and I move on with my life. I got to got things to get done. I I think in my life as I've seen so many friends and stuff pass is that I I don't even know how to react to things normally anymore as far as that goes. Is you know, Linda thought that I didn't react the last year the correct way. And I said, everybody grieves yes. differently. Yeah. And I said, I understand you're still grieving. I mean, I lo- we lost four very close family members. I lost both my brothers. I lost my 44-year-old son and my 44-year-old daughter. It was a tough year. Yeah. I'll be yeah. honest with you. It's not like I, I, I just totally forgot about them being part of my life or anything. But it was, a, you know, it was, it was a tough year. But I'm not one to walk around my 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 my, my mouth down, you know. Whoa, whoa, me. I don't do no. that. That's just not me. All right, let's get our final break in, and then we got uh, the Bible guys coming up in the next hour. You want to listen? Whatever it is that they're going to talk about. Don't forget about uh, our friends over at PI Roofing. Uh, PI Roofing take good care of you. They're now PI Roofing Home Solutions. That means. If you need more than a roof taken care of, if you need some construction done, if you need some windows put in, if you need some gutters put on, they can do all of that for you, and they do it as well as they do roofing, and they've been doing that over 20 years, and they're known as one of the best roofing companies right here in central Arkansas. That's uh, PI Roofing. Call them at 501-707-3115. I don't know what's going to happen if they ever move that big sign out of my <laughs> studio. I'll not remember the phone number. Uh, PI Roofing.com is the uh, place you go on the internet. He was major, major, major. You know, I'm talking about uh, Catch 22, the book. Mm. And did they not make a movie? Out yes, of that? they made a movie because yeah. it's the thing Alan that they Arkin have. Was in it. Was they have good. in Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really good. Major, major, major. major it was a guy whose his parents' name was Major. They named him Major, so he's Major, Major. Because they didn't want to make, make, it, make it hard on him to remember his name. And then he went to the Army in World War II, and he made the rank of major. So he was major, major, major. major. <laughs> I know there was a comedian that talked about is that's what he was going to name his kids uh, master at some point in time. So that everyone had to call the kid master. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. I like that one. That's, 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 see, that's funny. That's funny. That's Bob Newhart type of yes. stuff. Yeah. Or a David Steinberg. I I used to love David Steinberg. He was good. And they both, both of them, as good as they were, they did a whole shtick sh- about King Kong. Yeah. About, about King well, Kong. Well, he was dry, Bob Newhart, and I'm a very dry sense of humor person. Do you, do, do you remember he was the night watchman at the Empire State Building? Mm-hmm. Yes. When uh, King Kong took Faye Ray to the top? <laughs> it was hilarious. He's calling the police. He says, yeah, there's a... A, a, a ape going up the side of the door, <laughs> right. you know, and, and, and you see him. You see him. You, he's thinking, you know. And he goes, "Well, he's about fifty foot tall." Right. You know, it's right. hilarious. That's well, so the good. expressions on his face. Yeah, too. No, you know, because he's reacting to what the cop is saying on the other end, right? And and the cop is saying, "You had any, I didn't drink tonight." Yeah. <laughs> you know that kind of stuff. Well, good. you just you just can't beat the the old you know Don Rickles. Yeah, those are all I mean, just stuff. great. Don Rickles, if he was still around today, he'd be canceled. Yeah, the, you know, oh, yeah. hardcore. Yeah. You hockey puck. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> say that. You know. Yeah. You do, by the way, did you see the pictures yesterday of Jay Leno? 
He does. Yeah, he, he doesn't looks look that than bad. What I thought. Yeah, I thought the way they Just, talk, he burned like he was going to look like Mel Gibson, right? In that movie, I forget what movie was that. He was a, he had to burn Burns on his on face. Him. It looks and, like it just came under his, his neck chin. and his yeah, chin. right under under here. And you know what? I told my wife, I got a sick sense of humor, and I said, <laughs> "Well, you can't really make out his waddle right now." <laughs> hey. <laughs> Maybe it tightened it up. Did you see what, you know, uh, who was it? When Tim Allen went to see him, they're really good friends. And he evidently said he took him a lot of, you know, nice things like candy and all that kind of stuff. He says it's amazing. He he, act, he said here he is, his face is all burned up and everything. And uh, he's taking care of the nurses and stuff. Yeah. You know, with them. So what can you say about that? He's Just taking care of the nurses? Or? Yeah, well, you know, taking, not that taken care of. Come on now. Yeah, but he's got some really cool vintage automobiles. Yes, you know, that awesome. he's, I mean, old, yeah. old, 1900 kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Just cars barely registering historically. Yeah. You know, he's got them. And that's what he, he was working on, a steam-powered car when he got hurt. Was it steam? Yeah, but it had, you know, it's got a motor still. Yeah. And it, it leaked uh, fuel down and in, in a, in a, a f- spark or something went off and lit his face on fire. Wow. What a freak accident. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, he says it's lucky that he had a friend of his there who pulled him out from under the car and put him out. Or he said this would have been a lot worse. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. I thought, you know, he was going to have like half of his nose gone right. or something. He's going to have to have massive reconstruction Or you surgery. see those poor guys on surgery. TV that have got burned from... Oh, the mi- military? military. Yeah. <laughs> Tunnels were towers. Yeah, yeah, they don't have, you know, their nose burned off their face. Yeah. Melt. Flesh will melt, if you didn't know. Yeah. Just something for you to think about while you're eating your breakfast. <laughs> and it smells and looks horrible. Yes, it does. I had a good friend at... Uh, he decided it was going to be a good idea to throw water on a grease fire one oh, day. Oh, no. And it was all Flare. over his legs. All his, oh. caught, his, caught his cabinets on fire. His I've, ba- gotten, I've gotten burned. I, I was working. When I was going to seminary, I, you still got to work when you're in seminary. I mean, you got to pay the bills and stuff. And uh, I worked out at Coca-Cola bottling plant down in Fort Worth. And I was the midnight guy in the uh, syrup room that was i poured the syrup in you know and, and mixed it all up and then pumped it off to another place in the plant and they mix it all together with the carbonated water and everything and make the different drinks and you had to after you would run a, a run you would have to uh, take and sterilize the tanks because uh, you couldn't have some old syrup mixing right. up a new syrup so you would do that well the hoses that they had uh they weren't supposed to do anything to them if if they started fraying or anything you're supposed to throw them away right you're not supposed to keep them and uh low i i ended up winning a little bit of money not a lot of money but a little bit of money because the uh, mechanical room was pulling the the brass couplings off of them oh and uh they were uh, reattaching hoses to them well one of those hoses blew off one time and just dumped, you know, scalding water oh all God. over all over my legs, and I had third degree burns on my legs. And man, I've gone through that whole thing of having to get into that tank of of disinfected. And, no, I didn't do. I I did that uh, after my heart attack, but uh, in my uh, my five way 
that I had to do. But uh, the, the whole thing, uh, your burn tries to starts to grow in yes. different little areas, and you can't do that. You got to take off that skin and try to get new skin to grow there all at the same time and to keep that happen the best way i can explain this to you put you in a tank it's got disinfected in it and a nurse gets in the tank with you they gave me a tongue depressor wrapped with tape and said you might want to bite on this because they can't numb you oh god okay they can't numb you down and they use you you you've used the new kind of uh, Brillo pads, right? They're they're like plastic. Yes. And yeah. they got a little bit of soap in them, and you clean them. Well, that's what it looks like. Oh, and God. they get they get on you and basically hold your leg or whatever. And for me, it was my legs. Both both my calves were burned really bad, and they scrub that old skin off. Oh, God. Dude, I can just tell you, that is the most pain I have ever felt. In my lifetime, really, and I and I, you know, I've when I was in the military, I uh, saw a bunch of guys that got burned bad. Marines over in uh, uh, Japan, they brought them back to the burn unit center there in Texas, and uh, they used to have to put them all the way in up to their neck. And I remember going in, and I did a story on them for Air Force Now. And they would be in that tub, and they would be scrubbing that, that dead skin off of them, and they'd be singing the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable what those guys went through. And uh, I just had a little taste of it. I can't imagine your whole body having to be so done that So it doesn't way. destroy the nerves to where you can't feel? Nope. Uh, yeah. You wish it did, but it doesn't. Mm. You wow. guys have a great uh, Thanksgiving. Yes, they you do. You do that? You and promise every, me you're yes. going to have a good Thanksgiving? We are. You're not going to argue? You're not going to talk about life insurance, right? We will talk about life insurance. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to drink a whole lot of vodka on Thanksgiving, isn't that Cranberry we'll, juice Then we'll argue. Vodka and cranberry. I'm a marshmallow vodka person. Okay. You get that flavor, too. Yeah, yeah. I like that. You know, I'm going to have some marshmallow vodka for Christmas. Yeah. Looks over. Have a great day, and I'll see you guys uh, next, well, next week. We'll get back together again here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll be back with you uh, after the Bible, guys, uh, 9 o'clock. We're going to talk about overpopulation. I'll talk all about that with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Dr. Scott Stewart, pastor of Agape Church, sitting in for Dave today, who is uh, not going to be with us, but I'm assuming he'll be with you guys tomorrow. I'm joined today by um, a good friend and another Bible guy, um, Billy Miller. Uh, we are going to have a great show today because uh, Steve Hess is not with us, so this is going to be even better. 
it's going to make it even better. Good uh, we, we just we just take the we just do that with Steve whenever he's not here. Yeah, um, but he's actually um, he's out of state. He's uh, on a little bit of a a vacation here with the holidays coming up. We're praying that everybody have a great um, great Thanksgiving this coming week. And uh, there's a lot of things actually connected with the th- the feast of uh, Thanksgiving that maybe we'll get into a little bit later on in the program today. Uh, if you'd like to give us a call, uh, we're welcome to you're welcome to do that. The Telephone lines uh, are available to you, and you can call in at, um, of course, area code is 501. The uh-huh. number is 823-0965. And uh, Billy and I are here to take your calls if you would be so inclined to give us a ring. Otherwise, we do have a few uh, calls, or I'm sorry, uh, emails that have been uh, sent in to us with some questions on that. And uh, so we'll go ahead and jump in and take those uh, one by one and see if we can't uh, flesh out some answers for you guys. Uh, this uh, this particular um, uh Email comes into us from a guy named Holland, and um, he says, uh, "Dear Bible guys, I've got a few questions for you this time, uh, which I hope that you'll be able to answer on Tuesday's show. Which, of course, today is Tuesday. Uh, the number one, he says here, he says, I read recently that uh, less than fifty percent of Americans now attend church regularly, which is the first time in U.S. history this has happened. Uh, in the beginning, is this the beginning of the of the end? I've heard Scott say that he used to live in the future." Uh, is this what he uh, seen in Europe? Um, I guess that is sort of directed at um, at me, but I'll let Billy uh, handle that first part. Billy, is this the uh, this the uh, yeah? So a, a I actually think that's a misquote of the statistic. Um, I, I I think church attendance has been below fifty percent for quite some time. I oh, believe really? the I believe the change in the statistic was that for the first time in American history, less than fifty percent of people identify as being Christian. We have dropped below um, the 50% mark in those who even claim to be Christian. So, um, yeah, I think the last time I saw a number, church attendance was setting at around 30 or 35%. So, oh, really? Um, less than thir- a third of Americans are attending church uh, on a given any given weekend. And that, of course, was exacerbated um, through the COVID stuff. Uh, but here's kind of the way I feel about that. That was a really convenient excuse. Mm-hmm. It really was. Yeah. I mean, um, there were a lot of people who were attending church because there was some pressure from family or the wife said, get up, we're going to church. Or the husband said, we're, you know, I'm the head of this house and we're all going to church. And suddenly COVID provided the perfect opportunity for those who did not really want to go um, to just not go. Yeah. Uh, it, it became a really convenient excuse. Um, is this the beginning of the end? Well, I think. Um, the the beginning of the end was some two thousand years ago. Right. Uh, the beginning of the end was the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, are we seeing that clock ticking towards um, eleven fifty nine fifty nine? Yes, I, I think I've made that statement on many occasions sitting here. I absolutely believe um, that we are sitting at the eleven fifty nine fifty nine mark. And what I think that the statistics show is that the U.S. is not immune. To what is is coming? Yeah, um, we chose to kick God out of our public life, out of our schools, um, out of many of our homes, and we are now harvesting what we sowed. Yeah, and unfortunately, that is not going to be pleasant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would uh, I would agree that um, with the continual decline is you. Well, if you remove people's spirituality from them, then there's something's going to fill that void something's going to fill that gap and uh, and the question related to me about living in uh, about living in the future uh, if you don't know what that means i i used to i lived in europe for over 20 plus years and i used to come back to the states and i used to say 
that I live in the future and um, come back to the past, being America, to tell you what the future looks like if we don't change our ways. And I was met with, with people saying, you know what, that's just completely crazy. We're America. We're never going to become <laughs> like that. And right. lo and behold, here we are. I'm not a prophet by any stretch of the imagination, but it didn't take a prophet to read the handwriting on the on right. the wall to see that, uh, see that coming. So, um, but you know, there are, there are parts of the world that are experiencing great revival. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they're, they're having, they're having incredible things happening. The Christian, the Christian faith is exploding in a lot of different parts of the world. It is decreasing here, uh, which means that we are slowly becoming like, um, like Europe is, which is not a place America would want to go. Listen, I've yep. been there. I've done that. Uh, I know our standards, I know our expectations, and I don't see any reason why we would want to become that way. As a matter of fact, it seems to me like those who want us to become like Europe are, Europe are people who've never lived in mm-hmm. Europe. They say, well, look, look, look at this country, and they'll say, look at that country. We can be like that. We can have a medical system like that. Listen, I've had children in all these countries, and you don't just get to walk in those countries and have everything free right you got to pay for it now what do we do well we let people come in here and we give them everything free uh you know when i have children born all over the world my child one of my children was born in sweden when my another child was born in finland supposedly these uh socialist utopias that people want us to be like but guess what none of my children are they're not swedes or Finns. right right but you let a child be born here and automatically they're going to become an american so we want everything that supposedly these ideal um socialist countries have but we're not going to follow the same plan and same rule that they use in order to have those societies. We're going to do it a different way, which is a broken way, and it's not right. going to work. It doesn't work there either, for that matter. Um, and you, you know, you can't forget. Uh, we don't like taxation here, but they have tax on goods. It's called a VAT, a value added tax. Um, that is everything you buy uh, now. In um, whenever I lived in Sweden back many years ago, back in the nineties, um, um, everything had an eighteen percent tax on it so that means it doesn't matter what your income level is you're going to be paying 18 percent tax we're not talking about regular state tax this is the federal right. tax of 18 percent right. to take care of all so, this so think about adding another 18 percent to whatever it is you're buying these days that's so, correct uh, another 18 percent on your sales tax and That'd that would be rough and, but and, but now in sweden i think it's 22 percent yeah so everything so you you want and how long would it take to get in to see a doctor Whenever I w- whenever I moved to Sweden, which was uh, I moved to Sweden in um, uh, December of uh, nineteen eighty nine is when I moved there. And uh, what are you smiling at, Billy? I, I wasn't even out of high school yet. I'm just saying. Well, I was just, <laughs> and so uh, so I so. But when I moved there, there was billboards up. There was a it was a, it was a campaign year. Right. And people were advertising. Um, if you vote for us, you'll never have to wait longer than three months to get an operation. Wow. And that was supposed to get them elected, which means the waiting list was much longer yeah. uh, than that. So is that what you want, America? Because that's what you're voting for yeah. right now. Yeah. And that's the direction that we're going. I, uh, the, thing that, the thing that breaks my heart, I, I started to say makes me laugh, but it really doesn't. It breaks my heart. Is you got all these young kids out here screaming, we want socialism and we want to vote for it. Mm-hmm. So you want a a democratic form of socialism. I, I've I've heard that before. Yeah, <laughs> I I know where 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 that leads. Uh, matter of fact, there's a really famous government that was was democratic socialists. Um, we generally tend to refer them by refer to them by a different name. Oh yeah, um, that being Nazis. Yep. Um, now, am I am I claiming that anyone out there who wants 
uh, a democratic form of socialism as a Nazi. No, what I'm telling you is that the inevitable conclusion of a mob-ruled country where we claim to share everything is something like the Nazis. Mm. Because you will always have people in power who want more than their fair share. Look, and I've told my kids this. When my my kids first, because school just wants to cram communism down your throat. The first time my daughter, I think it was Sierra, who came home and said something about extolling the, the greatness of communism. Right. And because, you know, she had been force fed that at school. Sure. Day. Uh, and, and thankfully, that's one of those things that I've always and if you're not doing that with your kids, you need to be you need to be find out you need to be finding out what they're being taught so that you can correct mm-hmm. what they're being. Absolutely. Taught. My kids have always been really good about coming home and talking to me about what it is they learned. Yeah. You know, what it is they're exploring so that I could go. Whoa, 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 wait, whoa, wait. Yeah. And and I told her that day communism is phenomenal on paper right but once it encounters humans it falls apart sure you know uh, there's there's only one instance and um people i'm going to make you angry i'm going to make some people angry right off the bat this morning there's only one instance of communism that ever worked that i know of and it's to be found in the book of acts Mm. matter of fact Karl marx made a reference to the book of acts when he talked about creating this beautiful society well it works when we are all dead to ourselves mm-hmm. and living for our brothers. Yeah. But the moment you reintroduce flesh, it falls apart. Yeah. All right. We're going to pick this up on the other side of the break. We've got to go pay a few bills. So uh, we'll see you guys in just a few minutes. And we're back. We're going to continue uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, if you want to give us a call, that would be great. So the number is uh, eight two. What is eight two three zero nine six five? Hey, listen, I I am a complete neophyte when it comes to uh, taking care of this uh, of this microphone. It's not the golden EIB microphone. It's the uh, it's the it's the black, blue, and red one hundred one point one FM microphone. This is the Dave Ellswick microphone. So um, big shoes to fill here. But uh, we're moving right along. We're going to continue. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off. And I'm just going to kind of end the uh, the last question uh, just about um, the question referring to about the future, about me living in the future regarding Europe. There's one unique uh, distinction between uh, the the rate at which Europe became what it became and the rate at which the America is becoming what it's becoming. We're moving far faster than yeah. Europe ever did. Absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the reasons why is even to this day, in Europe, even though they are in the in the spiritual condition in the socio economic position they're in, uh, they still have um, state churches. Uh, if you if you go to a state school, a state college, or whatever, uh, guess what? You also have you still have uh, the gospel. You still have the Bible. Right. My my kids who went to um, you know in the beginning when they went to a public school, and later when we went to a private school. Uh, when Christmas time came along, guess what your kids learned in school? They learned what Christmas was, what it was about. It was about the birth of the of the Messiah. It was about the birth of Jesus. When my kids did plays in school, they did plays about Christmas, the real story. They did plays about Noah's Ark. This was a part yeah. of the, uh, still a part of the, although it was more or less a cultural thing for them now, at least the consciousness of why we do things is still there we're working in america to remove that from uh the public square which will cause our decline to be 
much more rapid and much faster. As, and when my child children went to a, a private school, uh, the private school was very uh, Christocentric. It involved everything about uh, Jesus. They had to go to chapel every week, even though it was not a quote-unquote Christian school. It was still very much a Christ-centered place. Um, if if you were caught on campus, and they would have um, my son, my oldest son, uh, whenever he get, became like a senior, he became also what's known as a prefect. Uh, and so prefects were like all seniors became mini policemen on campus. And right, one right. thing they used to do is they would stop kids and ask them, show me your hymnal. And if you didn't have your hymnal on your person, no interesting. then they could give you a, a, a like they make you like write a hundred times. I'll never forget my hymnal. So all of a sudden, all the seniors became policemen and their job was to make sure people still had an awareness that you're carrying the praises of God in your pocket. Now we have come. So at least Europe still has that. Right. Yet they're still in the condition they're in. We have a we've ripped that from um, our student life, ripped it from our government life, uh, and so therefore that will facilitate and exacerbate our, our our decline at a faster rate than than Europe has ever known. Yeah, and, and I think part of that is that I, I've said this several times, and m- most of the time it is a bit tongue in cheek, but it, it's true nevertheless. In that America was a country born in rebellion, and we've never really gotten over it. Yeah. We, we are, um, you know, that whole, um, this is what's right for me and I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that That is, by its definition, a rebellious spirit. Mm. And I, I have taught, I've heard it, I've heard it taught, um, I, I firmly believe that um, sins tend to run in families. Um, if, and there are, there are things that individuals should avoid simply because you have family history of that, whether it's a a father and a father's father and a father's father's father or uh, personal history with that sort of thing. They're just things you should avoid as a result. And I think uh, that rebellious spirit is something that is also kind of tends to run in families. And here's the bad news. Almost all the families that are here came as a result of a rebellious spirit. So mm-hmm. we have this um, countrywide. We have this sense of um, I'm going to do what is personally right for me, regardless of what else is going on out there. And that sounds great. Matter of fact, we kind of extol that in America yeah. as independence. Right. Um, the problem is, what are you trying to be independent from? Mm-hmm. Because if what you're trying to be independent from is the rule of God, then we have a problem. Right. We, your, your independence is great right up until it encounters the law of God. Yeah. Because once you encounter the law of God, your independence needs to be set aside. That's right. And, and, and it, it goes, this whole idea of this, this independent, quote, spirit uh, is completely um, antagonistic to the uh, the scripture that says that we are now as a as believers we're now interdependent upon each other. We're right. a body that is connected, and it said the scripture says you can't say you know the hand can't say I don't have any need of the foot, or I can't the eye can't say it doesn't have any any need of of the of the hand. So we we are totally dependent on each other, and if you bring this this independent spirit into a a, um, a church culture, um, then it will implode because you cannot exist as an amputated part uh, right. within the body and have the body function as it's supposed to function. Right. And if you're sitting there, um, uh, because I've had this conversation with people in the past, and, and the initial reaction from an American is to be angry at that thought, and that's right. just because of the way we're raised. But the question that I always ask when they get angry is, well, who was the first one who decided he wanted to declare his independence? Yeah, there you go. Um, 
we, we have a title for him. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we talk about him a lot. His name is Satan. Mm-hmm. And he was the first one to go, you know what? I don't, I don't think I like the rules. I think I want to be independent. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it cost him. And if you want to follow that guy as your father, it will cost you too. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. We weren't created for independence. Now, am mm-hmm. I saying that we should be under slavery? Absolutely not. Um, but in a, um, in a metaphorical way, we are absolutely slaves to the will of Christ. Yeah. And the moment we can settle into that and get past our Americanness yeah. to accept the fact that, hey, look, there is a Lord in my life. And that is not that is not fluffy Jesus who wants me to pat me on the back and say I can do whatever I want and it's all going to be okay. No, he has expectations. Yeah. He took the time to write all that stuff down through the prophets. Mm-hmm. Go figure he might want you to actually live the way he declared that you should live. Yeah, yeah. And that independence stretches to where now we can be independent from certain scriptures. Well, I'll do that bit, but oh, I'm not going to do this bit, you know. So, And, you know, the Lord wants me to be happy, and if I did that, I wouldn't be really happy. So I'm going to do this part, but not that part. And we become the arbiter of our own destruction by by picking and choosing what we're going to believe or what we're going to do or what we're not going to do sorry when your soul was bought with a price you gave up the right to make those decisions for yourself yeah and And i would challenge you for those who who because i've heard that a lot as well well god wants me to be happy mm -hmm. show me yeah show me where scripture says that so since when is the bible about you right it's not about you now I, i do see where it says joy absolutely god desires you to be joyful but guess what it also says joyful in my suffering yeah I'm sorry, when I'm suffering, I might have joy because I understand that God is in that moment with me, but that doesn't make me happy. Right, well, Show me a, where scripture says you're supposed to be happy. Right. There's a difference between, between joy and happiness, and the joy you're going to have is going to come from a, a joy of the spirit, a joy of your heart. But at the end of the day, you, you the book is about God. It's not about you. You're yeah, yeah. a part of God's plan, but it's his plan. And uh, we need to, we need to, and that, again, that goes back to uh, being being a self centered or an independent type person, right? My son went to um, he did a um, his last year of university. He did what's called a Pacific Rim. So he actually studied in universities, three universities in the the Far East, and uh, and he had to do a cultural study before he went. And he he told me something I've never forgotten. He said that um, uh, that they took a bunch of American kids and a bunch of Japanese kids, and they asked them to draw a picture of their family. And the little, the little American kids, they drew they drew a picture of their family, and in almost all, or the consensus was in the American family, uh, the the little the person, the child drew himself, and he was typically the biggest picture, uh, the biggest figure, really, and uh, he was in the center, and the family was around, around him. him. But in Japan, when they drew it, they drew their families in order. They always drew the father first. And he was always larger. And then they drew the mother. And then they drew their siblings in order. And then finally themselves. And so the idea, so they were trying to teach my son, saying, you're going into this culture, and here's what you need to understand. There's a respect, and there's an honor of the patriarch, the matriarch. There is even, my son told me, he said, even within a family, the younger sons called the older sons with, not not Mr., but they had a certain phrase. Like, if, if your name is... Billy, I, and you were my older brother, I would call you like son Billy. I would, or I put a little, right. a little there's phrase. A, there's, there's a prefix there. Right? Yeah, a little prefix. older. Absolutely. Sure. So, so the idea of, uh, of honor and authority and structure and collectiveness was within that culture, whereas this culture was more or less independent yeah. and me-centered. 
than it was otherwise. I think that is probably uh, among the greatest sins that we have created in this country, and that is that we have taught everybody that they're the most important thing. Yeah. And guess what? You're not. So with that being said, we're going to uh, wrap this section up. We're going to go ahead and go to the news, I believe, as well as pay a few bills. We'll see you on the other side, and we'll continue with the rest of our questions. And we're back. We're going to continue here with our questions. If you'd like to give us a call and add to the uh, the list of things to discuss today, you can give us a call. I actually just heard the announcer say it, 823-0965, and we'll be here to take your call. It's me, and it's uh, Billy Miller here in the house. Uh, Pastor Steve is not with us today as he is taking off for the holidays. I'm just sitting in for Dave just for the one day they will be back with us tomorrow uh, we're going to continue to move on into the other questions that we have i'd like to take a little bit of time towards the end to discuss uh, uh hanukkah it's one of the questions that we had and also kind of mention something about uh about thanksgiving uh number two on our list here uh, with questions um uh, it is it comes to says the uh what is the real uh, reason that the media sites are are being censored i'll give this to uh, billy since he deals with the uh with the uh, tech security um um do you guys feel that this is the beginning of a complete gospel blackout? Um, what are you doing to preempt this, if so? So uh, I think your first question is is answered by your second question. Um, what's the real reason for the media sites blocking conservative voices and Christian voices? Yeah, well, exactly that. It's because they're conservative and they are Christian voices. Um, I, I have often said and will say here again today, that every human being alive is in the fight. Mm-hmm. It, whether you know it or not, you're in the fight. You're either on the side of the Lord or you're not. Right. So um, you're in the fight. And these people who are out here doing the things that they're doing, they're serving a master, even though they don't realize they're serving a master. They're, they think they're just trying to silence some opinions that they don't like, et cetera, et cetera. And, and really what they're doing is they're they're fighting on the side of our enemy. Um Unfortunately, that whole rebellious nature, and we were just talking about rebellious nature, is that whole rebellious nature, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and no one can tell me different, um, unfortunately, is the opposite of what our Lord has to say. And as a result, uh, it leads people to try to silence us. Um, the gospel will always win. Yeah. Period. That's right. The gospel will always win. That's so right. What you have to make sure is that people never hear the gospel. So, yes, there's a concerted effort out there. Um, is this the beginning of a gospel blackout? I, the gospel will never be silenced. Amen. Amen. I, I'm sorry. God will never allow that to happen. The gospel and how many will times has this be been silenced. attempted in you know right. in the past history through burning the Bibles or forbidding people to pray or imprisoning them or creating martyrs? There's always been an attempt to stop the gospel. This is the modern version of the same right. thing. Right now, they may shut us down on some sites. But they can't shut down the whole internet. Not That's at this right. point. I'm sorry, it has of a life of its own at this point. Matter of fact, the internet was designed originally by the military to be a network that could not be shut down in the event that we were struck with a nuclear weapon, right? So that the military command and control would continue to stay up even if some huge portion of this country were were wiped off the face of the earth. So the internet is not going away, and as long as there is some independence um, to create websites and and to host media. The gospel is never going to be silenced on the Internet. Sorry, it's just not going to happen. Mm. And even if it were, um, that the gospel hitting the Internet comes from men and women preaching the gospel first. Yeah, right. And that is still not going to stop. No. Um, And here's what we know historically. The more pressure you put on the church, the faster it grows. Right. Let that pressure come. Yeah. It's okay. Um, Is it unpleasant? Yeah. Yes. 
but let the pressure come. Because I, th- I think if uh, the, when we've seen the most advancement of the gospel being spread is when the church is under persecution. Absolutely. Uh, it, the, the greatest enemy of the church is comfort. Yeah. Apathy, complacency. Yep. Absolutely. Because the moment we get comfortable, we start allowing other... When, when you have to stand... And this is my personal opinion about the end times and why the end times has to happen. When you have to stand and and face your potential executioner and say, yes, I am a Christian, knowing that if you make that declaration, that is going to be the last thing you ever say in your life. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You're sold out for Christ in that moment. Right. Or you prove you never were. Right. One or the other. Right. And I, in the face of that sort of persecution, there is a... There is a power in the witness of martyrdom, mm-hmm. and people see that and go, why would he be willing to die for that? Right. What What is it he knows that I don't know that mm-hmm. he was willing to die for that? Yeah. And Christ, there's a, there's a reason that, that at least 11 of the apostles had to die the way they did. Right. Right. Um, they, it had to be proven that this wasn't simply a lie, because right. men do not die for a lie. No. Period. They saw it happen. I... Um I heard a missionary was telling a story. I forget what country it is in. I think it was in, in maybe it was in Burma or something. I'm, I'm sure, not sure. But uh, some police officers um, crashed into a uh, underground church, mm-hmm. guns drawn, and said um, that they were going to systematically start um, killing all of them. Yeah. You've heard the story. Yeah. And um, and so he, they, they basically cried out, said, "If you're a follower of of Jesus, go to the wall over there and." And if you're not, leave. And a certain amount of them ran out of the church. Right. And when they ran out, then the guy said, lock the door. They locked the door, and they put their guns down and said, you know, we're believers too, and we just wanted to make sure that, that we were going to worship with true believers in Jesus. Yeah. And um, so, uh, yeah, if you want to follow Jesus, sometimes it means you go yeah. to the cross, and sometimes it means you go to the tomb. But guess what? There's always resurrection on the other side if you follow the King of Kings. Yeah, I, I mentioned to you in the break that I've just finished reading the, uh, the Bonhoeffer biography. And part of the reason that that biography has had such an impact in my life, uh, and Bonhoeffer's story in general, and if you if you don't know who Bonhoeffer is, um, he was part of the Valkyrie, the um, uh, failed Valkyrie attempt on Hitler. He was a Lutheran pastor uh, in Germany uh, as the, the Third Reich rose, and he actually left Germany just as the Third Reich was really becoming a thing and came to America and he felt like God called him back Mm -hmm. to Germany regardless of the cost. And he would eventually be captured by the Nazis and would be put in a concentration camp. And he was, um, uh, he was descendant of some Royals somewhere. So he got pretty good treatment in there until Hitler realized that there was no way that he was going to win. And and Hitler personally ordered his execution and he was executed just three weeks before. Right. Um, the allies liberated the camp that he had been in, but he went back knowing that if he was going to do what God had called him to do, it would almost certainly cost him his life. Right. There is, there is power in a decision like that. Mm -hmm. There is, you know, when, when God called Abraham to take Isaac to the mountain as, as Isaac is laying there and Abraham begins to bring the knife down and the angel of the Lord calls out, stop, don't touch the boy. I now know that you would have given me your son. Yeah. God is a God of exper- experiential knowledge. Mm-hmm. He tests us 
to prove to to prove to himself that we will pass the test. And guess what? To prove to let us prove to ourselves that we would pass that test. And there's a special there is a special crown for people who absolutely who are there's a special reward for those who actually make that ultimate um, ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. And, God and just I wonder how many that. are uh, I think there's a there's a line that says from the from underneath the altar yeah. the voice of the martyrs comes saying how long how long yeah um, I, I wonder just how loud that voice is right yeah. now good uh, question and how many will be added to that before we are done yeah um, you know I I, I I I'm not throwing myself at the martyr's crown it's not something I want but uh, I, I long ago decided that if I have to make the choice between living and denying Christ or or taking up martyrdom, that's an easy decision for me. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. It just, this life is not that important to me. Right. Um, one of my favorite quotes is actually, you're ready for a very spiritual quote, it comes from the Three Musketeers. It says, <laughs> uh, I do not cling to life sufficiently to fear death. I'm sorry. This this world just does not mean that much to yeah. me. Yeah. It's so temporary. It so, is so, so shallow and so short compared um, to eternity. I once heard a pastor say that life is nothing more than a 70 to 80 year lesson to prepare you for eternity yeah wow that's good uh, it's it's elementary school that's yeah. all this is this is elementary school it'll <laughs> be over in a flash well speaking of that what do you think about this uh the next question uh about uh prepping if it if uh, everything tends to go into the uh the frying pan what is it what are your thoughts concerning um uh, concerning prepping and, pie and stockpiling and so forth in all things moderation should you have some food put away yeah i think so should you um, should you be preparing to stockpile enough arms and armaments to engage the federal government? No, that's a silly thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have proven that over and over and over. Um, just go look at a little town in Texas or um, a little town in Arkansas or a little town here or a little town there. You're, you're never going to fight the federal government. If that is your, your plan, um, you're a fool. Sorry. Uh, and if I'm the first one who's ever told you you were a fool, I apologize for having to be the one that told you that. <laughs> However, should you be putting some things aside? Well, even the federal government tells you you need to have at least 72 hours worth of food and medicines and et cetera, et cetera. And today, um, I say today, FEMA's recommendation several months ago, maybe a couple of years ago at this point, was to increase that to 30 days. So even the federal government tells you you should have 30 days worth of supplies in your home at any given time. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a stigma that goes with being a, with being a, a quote, prepper. Oh, yeah, as but I've, I've, I've lived that life for a very long yeah. time. Stig- well, Stigmas you know, don't bother me. So. But, but, you know, you think about it, though, but we have no problem uh, with a savings account. Right. A rainy day account. Oh, a retirement account. Oh, All you're doing do you is... you have insurance? Right. There you go. All you're doing is preparing financially for right. some inevitability or possibility. and. If you're going to stockpile your money for your future, what's the problem with stockpiling sure. food, for, food for we know the next ice storm is eventually going to come sure. and sure. you know that bread and milk are going to disappear. Right. I don't know why those are the two things that uh, dis- disappear, but whatever you guys are making with bread and milk, you know, please share that <laughs> recipe with us here on the Dave Ellswick show. So I, I would say within reason, within reason, yes, you should not be devoting your life to stockpiling as much as you can because then you ignore the gospel. Right. Um, but yes, it, it is prudent to be wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and scripture tells us that you, if you, if you're not planning to take care of your family, then you're worse than the infidel. Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah my, my wife came to me years ago and, uh, and she said, I feel like I should do this. I said, well, if you, if you're doing it out of faith and not out of fear, move forward and make that uh, make that thing happen right
So, all right, we're going to be coming up on taking our break here. We'll come back for the last uh, segment of the show. And when we do, we're going to spend some time talking about a question that came to us regarding Hanukkah. In case you didn't know, that starts this this Sunday. And then we'll roll over into talking about Thanksgiving as we exit the program today and as you prepare your Thanksgiving feast on the other side. And we're back with the last uh, segment of the program today. Uh, As uh, Dave says many times, it's the fastest hour of the week. And it certainly is that way for us. Again, it's uh, Billy Miller and myself, Scott Stewart. We're sitting in here uh, for the big guy himself, uh, missing uh, Steve Hess. And, missing? Uh, that's a rough word. Well, that's oh. true. I guess I should say he's just not here. <laughs> he's M- missing implies that we wish he was here or something like that. But <laughs> And, of course, Holly is sitting beside, uh, behind the, uh, the glass wall there pointing at us and keeping us on on track. So we thank Holly for that. All right, we're going to jump into uh, the last question we have that's uh, been sent in to us this morning. And... Uh, it comes from uh, Hope, and she says, Dear Bible guys, could you explain the story of Hanukkah? Uh, I was wondering why Christians, uh, the Christian church would celebrate something that is so Jewish, especially because it's not in the Bible. And then she references Leviticus 23. Uh, what advan- advantage or lesson could be learned from a church teaching or celebrating the holiday? I'm not trying to say that it's wrong for it to be celebrated. I'm just wondering why it would be, uh, what effort would be put into creating events around something that isn't a God-given command, commanded celebration. So, um, you know, Billy and I kind of uh, discussed this at the very beginning. Yep. And yep, yep, yep. Um, uh, why don't we just kind of take this from the very beginning? Uh, why don't we explain what uh, Hanukkah is for people who don't know? Right. So Hanukkah is a celebration. So Hanukkah is a celebration that, as it is celebrated today, it has been for many, is really not where it started. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really started as giving God thanks for a military victory. But there is this tradition within Judaism that we don't celebrate military victories uh, or defeats, right? We, we don't do either of that because um, all military actions come with loss of life. And therefore, we should never celebrate the loss of life. So um, we took what something that may or may not have happened and made, it turned it into the centerpiece of, of Hanukkah. And, and that legend, and I will use the word legend there, that legend is that when they went to rededicate the temple, um, that they needed to light the lamp. Um, there was only found enough oil for one day, but it would take eight days to get the new oil ready. And by faith, they lit that one day's worth of oil that they had, and the, the light burned for the full eight days. So that is the reason we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days. Now, um, that is a nice legend, and it, it wraps a holiday up in a nice, neat little bundle and puts away the miraculous that actually happened. Mm-hmm which is that a tiny little resistance movement through the power and will of God defeated the most powerful nation on the earth at the time to say you will not defy and defile what God has called holy. Yeah. Now, having said all of that, uh, I take a little exception with it's not found in the Bible. Why is that, Billy? Well, I think we... We very clearly see it uh, when it says that um, Messiah was in Jerusalem to celebrate the festival, the feast. Um, we, we do actually see and it's in John, John 8, 10, 8, 10, 8, 10, 22, 10, 22. Yeah. I think part of the confusion with people when they're reading an English Bible is it says that he was, uh, he was in Jerusalem and it was winter and he was in Solomon's colonnade right. uh, and for the, for uh, the feast of dedication. Right. It doesn't say Hanukkah, so some people right. don't make the connection. So the word Hanukkah actually is the Hebrew word for 
dedication or to dedicate. So when you say dedication, you're actually saying Hanukkah. It's right. the same thing. So we've simply pa- translated the word into English, and therefore we don't recognize that's it. That's it. So, so apparently it is in the Bible, uh, and apparently Jesus celebrated it. Right. And if Jesus celebrated it, then it certainly cannot be something that would be wrong. And if our well, beyond that, and, yep. and here's my thing: beyond that, Messiah said, "I do nothing yes. unless I've seen my Father." do it so but not only did jesus celebrate hanukkah but god in heaven yes observed yeah, hanukkah that's well, right I, that's that's enough of a reason right there i'm on board i'm on board. Uh, me too and obviously if as christians our job is to uh is to emulate the life of jesus and to follow his example then this is why uh the christian church should uh, if you're not going to celebrate, at least you should know about it and know what it is and know why it would have been important to Jesus. And, of course, one of the questions is, well, how would a church even celebrate? Honestly, you know, at this time, this would be a great time for rededicating your life. Right. Take a time to rededicate your your life to the plan, the purpose, to the glory of God, uh, and uh, and use this opportunity to um, to make that happen. Yep. And there's a huge connection between Hanukkah and um, the upcoming uh, Christmas celebration that most people will be engaged in. Uh, Hanukkah is called the Festival of Lights. Hello, uh, what do we use at Christmas? Lights. It, Han- the original Hanukkah happened on uh, December 25th, which is also the time that was chosen for uh, Christmas. They give gifts at Hanukkah. We give gifts at Christmas. Some of these traditions are a little bit later. But the point is this, that when I mentioned Christmas, the questioner asked, you know, when things are not found in the Bible, well, guess what isn't found in the Bible? Christmas isn't Christmas found in the Bible. Is uh, there, yeah. We're about to celebrate Thanksgiving. It's not, not found there. in the Bible. Um, Fourth of July. Fourth of July is not found not in the Bible. Uh, what about Halloween? Uh, Halloween? Yeah, definitely not there. Not in the in the Bible. How about Mother's Day? Uh, yep, not there. Not, uh, Father's Day? Nope. Sorry. Okay, what about your anniversary? Uh, negative. Is your birthday in the Bible, Billy? No. Okay, so the point is, we celebrate lots of stuff that are not in Leviticus 23, right. but we have no problem doing that and incorporating them incorporating them into the life cycle of the church. I can't tell you how many churches have what they call a fall festival. Right. And right. The fall festivals aren't there unless you're unless that unless that's the word you're using for the feast of of Sukkot, uh, which is of course that's the feast of a uh, feast of tabernacles. Um, and so uh, that's what uh, it's about and typically in our church one thing we we do we've got a we're launching Hanukkah this uh, this coming uh, this coming Sunday. There'll be songs, there's videos uh, that will be happening. We have in our bookstore for sale right now. If people want to buy it, we've got we've got uh, the Hanukkah, which is the uh, the candelabra, or the menorah. It looks like a menorah with an extra branch. Where we've got uh, uh, dreidels for selling, which is a little game that's played. I mean, this it was important to Jesus to yep. celebrate it. Yep. And get this, he went to uh, Jerusalem to make that happen. Right. That was a week's. He had to walk an entire week to get to Jerusalem. So the man put out huge effort to participate in this uh, particular celebration. So if he spent a a week going and a week home, he spent two weeks celebrating or in in giving himself to this. You should certainly take at least one Sunday uh, or one Sabbath. Since since he would have been there for eight days, we're really talking about him dedicating almost a full month month of his life to saying, hey, I'm going to set aside time. And uh, of the 18 or 19 days of his life that are recorded in the Gospels, um, this is one of the days that was recorded. That's right. It's it's one of the days that they took the time to record, hey, he was here for that festival. And, and, the Holy and Spirit. it is a time, so we'll be doing a, as a church, we'll be doing a progressive dinner sort of thing. Yep. So I think that's the, uh, it's one of the great things about this holiday, um, you know, 
Christmas can be such a confusing and busy time because oh, we got to get over to grandma's, we got to get over here, we got to get over there, we got to get. Well, guess what? Hanukkah's a much more relaxed because I got eight, eight days, days to get to, to all those that. places. That's right. So That's right. I get to go have dinner with with friends and family and and chill out. And yeah. I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, pl- please uh, find a place that's going to teach you something about this uh, as the holiday rolls around. And uh, as we're beginning to close here, we just want to wish everybody a very happy um, Thanksgiving as it comes up on uh, at the end of the week. And in case you didn't know it, the very first Thanksgiving was actually the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. The pilgrims didn't come straight from England. They spent ten years living in the Jewish quarter in in uh, in Amsterdam before they made their way over here. And in that place, they learned all about the Feast of the Lord. They learned all about their engrafted into the Jewish nature of their faith. And when they came here, the very first Thanksgiving actually lasted seven days, not one. Why? Because the Feast of Tabernacles lasts seven days. They ate outside. Why? Because you eat outside at that time. They invited Indians. Why? Because you invite people over to celebrate with you at your special feast. And they gave thanks and praise to God for that event, uh, the very first event, you can read the documents of the of the governor that was there, William Brewster, and he tells how they went out and they killed animals to last them for about seven days, so they could continue to feast and celebrate for the seven days that they would have been celebrating during the uh, feast of Sukkot. It's a time Amen. we celebrate the presence of God in our life, in our family's life, and His presence in the ongoing year. We reset ourselves uh, at that time. Now, of course, this year Sukkot already happened back in uh, September. But, of course, our 16th president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, set this day as a day to remember Thanksgiving to God. And I pray that each and every one of you do that. Come visit us at Agape Church, 701 Napa Valley Drive. In a review of the book Overabundance, uh, there is a uh, person who makes a, a great uh, point, and that is pessimism sells, which of course is kind of strange, but the scientific evidence shows that optimism is a lot more sensible. Stop uh, crying, read this book, and smile. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to Marion uh, Tupi here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's across. You're across the ocean. You're overseas today. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, I am. I've decided to take a vacation in the Caribbean. So I'm speaking from you uh, to you from a beautiful island of Curacao. All right. Very good. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you. All right. Well, let's talk ab- to you. Let me talk about your book because I'm, I'm I've been interested in talking to you. Last week, uh, the UN came out with another one of their dire predictions about how the world is coming to an end. This has been going on uh, for quite some time. I remember when I was in high school, and uh, the big book uh, for us to, to read in science class was uh, the Population Bomb by Paul Ehrlich. And uh, everybody was in a dither about it. Uh, the overpopulation was going to get rid of all of our resources. The world couldn't con- you know, take care of itself, and on and on and on and on. This from a guy who studied butterflies, all right? He, he came up with this whole idea, and he's basically a, a butterfly specialist. So 
when did the world start changing, uh, Marion, about this and understanding that man's a lot smarter than a lot of people give him credit for? Well, uh, it's amazing that you still remember that book. Uh, obviously, it came out in 1968. It sold some three million copies, was translated into many different languages, and it really scared and scarred generations of Americans. But even as Paul Ehrlich was writing those words, uh, the world was already changing. You know, he was estimating that there would be famines and hundreds of millions of people would die in the 70s and 80s. And yet, um, famines have basically disappeared from the world outside of war zones. So humanity has become much better, much more efficient at producing food. India, which was um, which was incredibly poor uh, when Paul Ehrlich was writing uh, that book, and in fact inspired him to write that book, is now a food producer. Obesity is becoming a problem in Africa. So the world has changed dramatically, and I think that people started to appreciate. Um, uh, that in the 1980s, it became obvious that uh, when a person is born, it's not born, it's just with with an empty stomach, but also with a pair of hands and more importantly, a brain. So Paul Ehrlich uh, made this famous bet during the 1980s with an economist called uh, Julian Simon, whether the prices of resources would go up or down over the next decade, and Paul Ehrlich lost. Um, so by the 1990s, it was obvious that the resources were becoming cheaper, not more expensive. And that's the point of your book in Superabundance, because I want people to hear this, because this flies directly in the face of the pessimists of the world. That is correct. We have uh, measured uh, the prices of resources going back all the way to 1850 relative to income. In other words, what we asked is, Um, how long do people have to work globally and also in the United States in order to be able to afford, I don't know, a pound of chicken or a pound of beef or a pound of wheat or a pound of bananas, oranges, etc., etc. And what we found was that going back to 1850, Americans now have to work 99% less time in order to in order to buy those commodities you know uh, right now we are living through a very peculiar time when uh, wages are increasing at a slower pace than than uh, than prices and that's very unfortunate uh, but i and but and and horrible uh, you know because of our government's mismanagement but um, what people forget is how awful life was like 100 or 150 years ago and when you look at it you realize just how much better off we are even though things are not working out right now but in the long run things are much cheaper than they used to be and that is basically what we found uh, we found that uh, things are becoming cheaper because because we are able to apply new human knowledge to our resources you know the the cavemen had exactly the same amount of resources that we have today but the difference between their standards of living and our standards of living is the new knowledge that we can bring to bear to the resources that we have. So it's knowledge, not atoms, that matter. The world has a finite number of atoms, but infinite amount of knowledge. And so the more people you have, especially free people who are able to talk, think, publish, invest, etc., uh, the, the more knowledge you can generate, and therefore you can create more resources. Well, Michael Schellenberger wrote a book a while back called Apocalypse Never, While Environmental uh, Alarmism Hurts Us All. And it it just seems to me that you have this group of scientists that are, are always, you know, given the last rights to humanity. 
Well, Paul Ehrlich uh, specifically belongs to a specific group of scholars, and, and, and the truth is that there's a huge divide between biologists and economists. When biologists look at the world, let's say yeast uh, in, a, in, a, in a flask or, or rabbits or rats, um, what biologists expect is, you know, if there is plentiful food, the, the population of rats or rabbits is going to expand, they are going to consume all the food, and then their population is going to collapse. Uh-huh. Human beings are not like rabbits or rats. We can do long-term planning. We are capable of reason. We are capable of innovation. Rats cannot innovate their way out of food scarcity. We can grow more food per acre of land. In fact, uh, today it is not uncommon for for farmers to produce 400 bushels of wheat per acre of land, uh, something that would have been unimaginable to our ancestors. So economists don't look at you know, um, how much wheat is currently grown or corn. They look at prices. Uh, If prices are going down, that tells us things are becoming more abundant. So, yes, there is this divide between between economists and biologists, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think you guys got it right. I think they got it totally wrong. Look, we've ha- we've we've listened to all these naysayers. We listened to the people back in the '90s who told us that the the time of oil was past, that we were running out, that we were not going to have any. And I kept saying on the air, I kept saying, "Yeah, but they're not taking into the scientists. They're not thinking about new ways of production." And lo and behold, suddenly fracking comes, and what do we have here in our country? We're awash. In, uh, in in energy, if we would use it. Yes, the main point of the book, Superabundance, is that there are no physical limits uh, to, to what we can produce. Certainly, uh, with more knowledge, we can, we, can, we, can, we can get much more prosperous. But that doesn't mean that superabundance has to happen. We, if we don't have the right leadership, if our politicians create artificial scarcity, then, of course, we are going to be much worse off. And I think that, if nothing else, you know, I'm an immigrant to the United States um, uh, from Europe, and when I look at Europe, I'm I'm just warning Americans this could be coming our way. Uh, Europe is not suffering from inability to produce energy. They have plenty of nuclear power plants they decided to shut down. They could frack, but they decided not to. It's a decision. It's a choice. Poverty is a choice, and we should try to avoid it in the United States, and I hope that we do. Well, I, I I'm going to love talk. I got one more segment with you. Stick around. I, I want to talk. I'm going to give you a lot of positive strokes today, my listeners. All right, we're going to give you something to really tomorrow, or uh, pardon me, on Thursday when you gather around the the Thanksgiving uh, meal and you say blessing, you'll actually be able to say thank you because you live in one of the most prosperous times in the world. And we're going to talk about that. It can be even more so, but it's just like Marion just said to you. It depends on the politicians. And right now, the politicians that are in the White House are naysayers. Don't buy into what they're trying to sell you because it's wrong. Their environmental viewpoints are wrong. we got things to talk about when we get back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Let me remind you that tomorrow, Eric Coleman will be on with me in the 9 o'clock hour. And he'll tell you what's hot, what's not, and uh, what you should be looking for on the start of Black Friday over at the jewelry stores and things of that nature. He'll discuss all of that with you. He's located over at 3000 Cavanaugh. He's open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. You'll want to hear what he has to say tomorrow. Tomorrow at nine o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back we got 
We got about uh, 13 minutes left with our uh, special guest today. That's Marion Tupi, and uh, he has put together a book uh, with uh, Gail uh, Pooley, if I'm not mistaken. He's the co-author of this book, uh, and it, it's all about. All the stuff you've been seeing on the media is always talking about how the world is basically coming to an end because we're using up all our resources and this and that and whatever. And uh, it was a few years back I read a book uh, by Stephen Moore, uh, Marion, and he was with Cato Institute at the time, and uh, as you are now, and he wrote a book called It's Getting Better All the Time. A great, great book. It changed my whole perspective of uh, what's going on in the world. And I haven't read all of your book. I've only read a little bit of it. I'm going to read it all because your book is a book that just shows us the unlimitedness that we have. Uh, Basically, as a species, yeah, maybe we have less of some things, but by using our noggin that we got on our shoulders, we can make it last a long time. That's right. I mean, we shouldn't underestimate the the fact that, um, you know, right now there will be a lot of Americans who are uh, going to have a tough time, um, partly because, for once, uh, prices are increasing at a faster pace than wages. Uh, But as a general rule, throughout American history, uh, wages were increasing at a faster pace than prices, and therefore everything was becoming cheaper. Um, um, but but uh, as we discussed in the previous segment, uh, the, 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 the current problems are a result of mismanaged government policy, especially monetary policy, and the great economic shutdown during COVID. You know, we've shut down our economy for uh, almost, well for a year, some some places two years, and it is this mismatch between money printing and the reduction in the productive capacity uh, of the American economy, which is which is leading to to all of these problems. But I have no doubt that with uh, a different leadership, uh, a smarter leadership, and a return to sound money, we can once again return to a place where uh, wages will be rising faster than prices and things will become, uh, will start becoming cheaper once again. Yeah, the stuff that we keep getting fed through the media and through these scientists that say that basically the world is coming to an end, I, they drive me nuts. Uh, I, I look at well, they, they've been saying, they've been saying that for a very very long time, and uh, one of the content, uh, one one of the things that we are saying in the book is that extreme environmentalism has acquired uh, certain features of a religion where you cannot reason them out of their set of beliefs. So their view of the world, Mother Gaia is very similar to the Garden of Eden. You know, unspoiled by by. Um, uh, by industrialization. Uh, they have their own saints like Greta Thunberg. They have their own priesthood like the IPCC scientists. They even have indulgences whereby somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio or John Kerry can fly around the world in private jets. Uh, but because they say the right words or give money to green causes, all of those sins are washed away. So I think that in an increasingly secular society, a lot of seculars have embraced environmentalism as a, as a new religion, as a sense of meaning in their lives. You're the first person I've heard say that except by me. I, I've said they've, they've had their own religion for quite some time now, and although they don't crawl on glass, they buy indulgences so that they can go and live the life that they want to live and the rest of us want to live, but we don't have the money to buy the indulgences. 
<laughs> that's that's right. So I'm glad we are on the same page. Yeah, we definitely are. I'm telling you, we are definitely on the same uh, page uh, as far as that's concerned. So overabundance, what is it that you want people to get out of this book? Uh, I'm, I've been telling people this week that they should buy this and give it as a Christmas gift because you'll be putting into the hands of the people that you give it to a completely different view of the world. Well, thank you very much for saying that. Um, uh, superabundance is intended as an antidote to gloom. Uh, specifically, uh, there is a part of the environmentalist movement which is becoming fundamentally anti-human, anti-humanist, and anti-natalist. What I mean by that is they see human beings as a cancer on the planet. Mm-hmm. They see children, they, they see parents having children as an act of selfishness. And, that, and what we are saying is the exact opposite. What we are saying is that ch- children are a blessing, that bringing a child into the world, and, and we do this in completely secular fashion. We, you know, we, we, this is a secular book. We are saying that you bring a child into the world and uh, he or she uh, has a capacity to make the world a better place by simply using their brain to invent and inno- innovate uh, ways in which will make which will make things cheaper, um, uh, better quality, uh, more abundant, and, and so forth. So. If, if we can, if, you know, the, the numbers don't lie, the numbers are objective, and uh, I hope that, you know, the book may not be uh, the best for high school students, but college students, you know, when, uh, I'm, I'm sure that your listeners, there are a lot of parents who are sending their children to college, wondering what kind of nonsense they'll be taught, and what kind of, what kind of rubbish they will come home repeating. Mm-hmm. I would say, if you have a 17 or 18 year old boy or girl, uh, and you buy them this book, it may provide them a shield um, against all the neo-Marxist nonsense. They can they can learn about what really has happened in the world over the last 170 to 200 years, and uh, hopefully um, th- th- they will be uh, more immune to the kind of um, um, Marxist nonsense they'll be hearing at university. So I, I think that 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 would be a great audience for us. Yeah. They should take your book to Hollywood. Somebody should make a, uh, instead of dystopian vision of uh, humanity, a bright vision of humanity. The problem is that you cannot make a uh, movie grossing a billion dollars out of out of. Uh, presenting a future of the world where everything is working out or most things are working out and people are, people are pretty happy. You see, uh, you know, in, in fact, one of the statistics uh, I'm very proud that we were able to dig out uh, for the book uh, had to do with the number of apocalyptic movies. You know, since the 1950s, every decade, more and more apocalyptic movies have been made about the future, which is bizarre because the world has become a much better place over the last 70 years. We live longer, fewer people are dying uh, in childhood, um, we have more access to food, we are healthier in many ways than we were before, um, you know, women are better treated, etc., etc., and yet, uh, with every decade, you have more and more movies about how the world is going to implode. And I think it's because uh, of the fact that, that it is only by, by dramatizing and by having a lot of blood and gore that you can get people to go to the movies. And that, that pertains to negativity bias in our brains. 
we have evolved to look out for negative news. Uh, we are much more prone to read a bloody and gory headline in the newspaper than something happy. And so, so that is why Hollywood, but also media, always leads with the horror rather than something uh, much happier. And obviously, there is much more good news than bad news in the world. You wouldn't know it, would you? No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't know it. If it, if it bleeds, it leads. I mean, as I, I was taught that early on in journalism class when I was in college. If it bleeds, it leads. That's the way they did it. Our, our guest, Marion Tupi, you need to get his book. You really, really do. This is a fantastic uh, book that you need to read. You need to, to, to take it to heart and understand that uh, not everything is negative in your world. And it will give you something to, to be happy about. It will give you something to, to thank the Lord for on Thanksgiving and the great things that are going on in our lives. He's a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. I have a lot of respect for the Cato Institute and uh, co-author of this book and uh, another book, Ten Global Trends Every Smart Person Should Know and Many Others You Will Find Interesting. Marion, thanks so much for being part of the show today. I'd like to get you on again in the future. It'd be a lot of fun to talk about this particular subject again. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for saying all those kind words. Uh, and if people want to learn more about the book, please go to superabundance.com. Superabundance.com. Thank right. you very much. Get your copy. Appreciate it. Have a good one, Marion. We'll talk to you later. Marion Tupi here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Bet you didn't think I could talk about overpopulation and make it a positive. <laughs> it is, I'm just telling you, we're in a positive time. We really are. And my thanks uh, again to my old, my buddy Stephen Moore. Because uh, he, the book that he re- he wrote here, getting into the 21st century about it's getting better all the time. Uh, if you have not read that, you should read that book as well. It will change your view. All right, Celebrity Attractions, I believe, is going to join us here at 9:35. Don't run away. We'll want to talk to them. What's going to be on the stage down at the Robinson? It's always fun to go and see uh, Broadway come to to Little Rock, and uh, we'll talk to Deanna about that from uh, Celebrity Attractions in just a few moments. Right now, though, got some uh, news for you. Want to get to that, and then uh, we'll come back and uh, finish up today's show for a Tuesday on Thanksgiving week on the Dave Ellswick Show here at 1011 FM, uh, The Answer. Here's your news. Back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about our good friends over at ICU Protection and what they got going for you. Uh, you know, Billy Mack uh, came out to my house, met with me for about 30 minutes. We decided what we needed at the house to have the kind of security that I wanted. So I got sensors on all my windows. I got sensors on all my doors. I got a few cameras up around the house now. And uh, I feel a lot better about it. And when I had this put in over a year ago now, uh, crime wasn't the way it is here in central Arkansas. I mean, the the rates of murders going on right now is uh, unbelievable to me. So... I went in, had my house uh, basically secured by uh, the folks that take care of Nuke 1. And if they can take care of a Nuke reactor, they can take care of my living room and bedrooms and uh, take a good ca- uh, care of my house. They can also do that for your business as well. And they're going to be different than any other those alphabet soup named uh, groups out there that do security. For instance, uh, 
you bring in one of them and they'll tell you, okay, you need X amount of cameras, you need X amount of sensors, and that's going to cost you uh, about $450. And they'll want you to write them a check for $450 right then because that's the way you own your uh, equipment is you buy it from them. And then you get set up and you got a service charge every month. Not that way with Billy Mac. Billy Mac lets you have your hardware absolutely free. They put that hardware in, it's yours. Then you pay your monthly fee. Now, you, I know what you're thinking. I, I, I know it's the way I think, all right? You're saying, well, all they do is they charge so much for service, so they make up for the, the, uh, the equipment. That's not the way that Billy Mac does it. Billy Mac has worked it out that he knows how long you have to be a member with him to pay off, uh, to make up for the cost of the hardware that he's paying for up front. And it's about four years. So he'll keep you as a as a customer for four years because of all the great uh, work that they do for you. So pay for the service, not for the hardware. Get the kind of service that you want. Get the kind of security you want. Just call Billy Mack, 501-205-1333. That's ICU Protection. Let me give you that number one more time, 501-205-1333, and they'll take good care of you. Deanna's here. Celebrity Attractions is in the house. Good morning. And it's always good to see you. You're, you're a great friend, and uh, she's got some great kids and uh, just a great family, and I'm glad that she's here today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. All right. So this weekend, uh, Fiddler on the Roof is coming to uh, Celebrity Attractions in the Robinson. Yes, sir. It was originally scheduled for last January, but mm-hmm. the cast got COVID. Right. And so we had to uh, postpone it, and this was our first opportunity to have space in the Robinson and to have meet their schedules to match. So we have it this holiday weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. show to have for Thanksgiving. It's perfect. It's a about family and faith and love and it's a perfect way to celebrate it's a great great uh, uh, show i mean you probably have seen the movie i'm gonna oh, say yes. a lot of people have seen the movie and the movie is very very good but the play is even better it is i mean the it's filled with such strong um messages and such strong music you can't get out of your head and you sing it forever in fact i mean my sister's wedding we sang sunrise sunset was part of the wedding i was so. just that, that song was just going through my brain right it there. Is. sunrise such, sunset and i mentioned to you before you even came on tradition exactly. if i were a rich man there's so many great songs from that from that oh, musical yes. And it's good for the whole family. So we'd love for people to come. What year did that go on on, on Broadway? Do you no, know off the top I of your head? I do not. After, uh, but it was mid-century, late century, probably in the 60s, I think. Yeah, the 60s, I believe. So that tells you how powerful a musical is that they're it still doing it then. yes. Yeah. It, 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 it covers a, a lot of things now. Yeah, I won't even get into that. I won't go, won't, won't go there. But let, let's talk about... Uh, what you got coming up because they can get their tickets now for this, right? Yes, we're about eighty six percent sold. So, okay, so and there's just a handful now. of seats left. So go ahead and get those seats if you want to have. You get tired of turkey and you're ready to do something else with the in laws. 
bring them to come see Fiddler this weekend. Yeah, and if you eat a bunch of turkey, don't fall, don't maybe warning that you're going to fall asleep. You won't fall asleep during Fiddler on no, the roof. No, you won't at all. Um, it is about three hours long. It's a well, great it's a, show. Well, it's a long movie. I mean, <laughs> you can see the movie, it's long. Mm-hmm. But no, we have lots of other shows coming up. We have Tootsie in January. We have Disney's Aladdin here for a full week in February. Gorgeous show for the entire They're going to fly around on the carpet? They have the magic yeah. carpet. <laughs> so it's pretty fun. It's That's what I fun. like. I like going and seeing uh, Broadway shows because it amazes me what they can do with special effects exactly. now on the stage. Yes. You and I actually guess, have Aladdin and Jasmine, and they fly across the That's sky. wild. I mean, I I, 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 I'll never forget the first time I saw Phantom of the Opera. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, when they're down in the catacombs and, and all mm-hmm. that, in, in the gondola, and those camera, uh, the candles would rise up, up out of the uh, st- I'm like, oh, Or the really? chandelier falling yeah, over yeah. your head. How, <laughs> are you, how are you doing all of this, you know? They work very hard. They yeah. do. I mean, you can even see that up in Branson if you go to Sight and Sound. Oh, Their presentations. Are, are amazing. Their sets are beautiful, yes. Yeah, they I work agree. hard at that stuff, and and they've learned from Broadway. That's true. That's what true. they've done. So so what, we've got uh, Tootsie coming. Uh, I'm going to assume that Dustin Hoffman's not in it. No, um, it is, <laughs> he is not. Um, they've taken the story and revamped it a little bit and made it more modern instead of going for changing his identity for a move for a soap opera is for a Broadway show. Okay. So they've changed it a little bit, updated it. Um, and I said Dustin Hoffman's Robin Williams, of course. No, it was Dustin Hoffman. It was Dustin Hoffman. Okay, I went on I my 13th like birthday. Yes, should've, I remember. Should have <laughs> hung in on my first inclination there. Um, but we have, of course, Disney's Aladdin in February. We have Chicago in March. We have Legally. I'm coming to Chicago. I love Chicago. It's a pretty That's show. It's a great it's show. It's a fun show. And a lot of tap dancing. A lot of dancing. It's yeah. fun. All that Bob Fosse. Yeah. Um, we have Legally Blonde, the musical, oh. in April. And then we have uh, Lerner Lowe's My Fair Lady in oh, May. Okay. So it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. I, I like I like all those shows. Now, I haven't seen Legally Blonde. I have not seen it yet either. But um, it's a fun, fun show. Everybody seems to be really excited about it. We're still selling season tickets. So if anybody's still looking for a, an experience to give their family instead of stuff for the holidays... They can grab some tickets to see our shows, and they have an automatic date night for the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I got a friend, and he's on my show a lot, and uh, he's he's here talking to me about uh, you know things like uh, guns and all of that. All Ed Ed Monk, uh-huh. uh, and he's got season tickets, and he does not miss a show. He does. Uh, yeah, I think yes, I, I know that name. So yes, I know yeah, he, he goes he goes uh, to New York City every uh-huh. uh, Christmas. And goes to Broadway awesome. for Christmas. That's, That's a fun and, thing to do. You know, and this is a guy that was a tank commander. Okay, That's the, awesome. The big, the big Abrams, right? And running it around and, and threatening people with it when necessary. But uh, he loves, you know, these shows. There's nothing wrong with liking Broadway shows and liking music and dance and all of those things. That's right. I do. I do, and you know how I'll, you know Hager the Barbarian I am. I love <laughs> I that. I love that. I love that stuff. You always love music. I do. But I love. <laughs> I love the stage. I acted on stage a lot. I was a thespian when I was in high school That's and college. Cool. I was big. What on was all your favorite that. show that you were Showboat. in? Showboat. Showboat. I played okay. Captain Andy, and the movie does not give justice to Captain Andy. The okay. show does on on, on stage. Oh, stage. It's great on stage, but it was. 
plus I didn't have to sing. I, I, I didn't like to sing. I didn't think my voice was good enough to sing. I played Enoch Snow and I played Man of La Mancha and all those type of things. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel like I did justice to all of that. I wanted to be like in Camelot where you didn't sing. You could, you could talk through the song. Oh, I understand. I understand Richard that. Harris never sang a note. That's true. That's true. I love that movie though too. Yeah, he he speaks it, but he doesn't sing it. It That's just true. doesn't happen that way. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to talk more about these shows that are coming. Aladdin will be fun. Aladdin is gorgeous. It is a very fun show. I bet, how many how many semis to bring in all this stuff? You know, I do not know off the top of my head. I actually will see it in Springfield next week, so I'm thinking around seven or eight. Yeah. I yeah. can let you know after that. And all that work that's been done makes this possible over at the at at Robinson, Robinson Center. That's right. You know, it did. It, it allowed them to bring in the set for the Phantom. Oh, yes. I remember when the Phantom first came here a few years back. It was. That was huge. It was huge. We were very happy. It's still huge. You could you could bring it back next year. It would be sold out every show. I would love to. It would be good. Okay. <laughs> I put her, on the, put her on the spot all the time. It's a quarter till 10. we got to get a quick break in, and when we come back, we will talk more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Pat Davis. Pat Davis wants you to know that he is ready to help your family deal with your, their health insurance. I mean, he literally constructs a, a, a health insurance policy for you that you're going to use. Look, if you're a single guy, you don't need maternity care, okay, you, or you shouldn't, all right? I know some people have got that mixed up in their head, but the bottom line, men typically don't need maternity care. Just keep in mind that they'll build your health care for you and taking uh, good care of you. Here's the other thing they'll do. Uh, you'll find that uh, your doctor will send you a check for coming to see him instead of you having to pay him to see him. You know, you don't have to pay a, any co-pays whatsoever. You'll get a check back uh, from the physician with your uh, insurance that you have. And not a whole lot of deductibles or anything like that. you got to talk. Uh, to uh, Pat Davis about this because he'll explain how it all works. I'll just tell you, it'll save you a whole lot of money. I just wish that he could get involved with, uh, you know, health insurance for us folks that are on Medicare now, that the federal government says, you must take Medicare. We're going to make you a Medicare recipient. I don't want to be. I don't have anything to say about it. You call or text him, talk about it, 501 605 63 or 6935, that's 501-605-6935, or visit him just online, yourhealthplanman.com. I'm talking about my oldest brother, so pardon me while I finish my conversation here. Uh, anyway, I, my first show I went and saw, my brother took me to it, and I said, I was telling, I was telling Deanna, he was a, a steel worker. I mean, the steel workers are like men of all men. They're like longshoremen, uh-huh. okay? But he knew I loved theater. So I was lucky enough when I was very young to be in the third role of Stop the World, I Want to Get Off with Anthony Newley. Oh, how fun. And uh, Julia Prouse was in it at that time. Oh, how cool. Oh, yeah. How high could she kick? Yeah. High. <laughs> uh-huh. she, that, that's such a great show. I like that show a lot. I really, really do. And Anthony Newley, I really liked him. I mean, anybody who's into music... No Sending the Clowns. Oh, yes. What a great song. Uh-huh. That, that came that came from that show, if I'm not mistaken. And it's really, really good. 
if you ever get a chance to see it, or if you, you ever get to see Mame on stage. Mame is great. Go I see Mame. That. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I saw that with Rosalind Russell <laughs> on, on the big stage. I used to go. I lived outside of Chicago, so I was lucky enough to be able to, to get to shows once in a while at the Schubert. Oh, and the uh, we'd go in and, mm-hmm. and see it. Does it still exist? I think so. Okay. Well, it's I good because so. a lot of them don't exist anymore. There are several theaters still in Chicago. Okay. Well, that's good. Steppenwolf's still there. I know that. Yes, I think so. And I, I look, here's what's happening at the Steppen, Steppenwolf. Uh, it will start two days after Thanksgiving. They'll start doing the Christmas, not the Christmas story. Uh, Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. And if you've never seen it on stage, you've never seen it. You need to go see it. Okay. It's great. Great. I mean, that they were doing that when I was a kid, so they've been doing it for almost 70 years. That's a long time. Yeah. That's and it's a, it's a tradition. People go to it all the time now. But uh, we're not talking about Schubert. Uh, no, we're talking about Little Rock, and we yeah. have lots of theater. I mean, yeah. the Reps got Guys and Dolls. Our Jen is doing White Christmas this year. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Yeah, I've been trying. I've been mentioning on the air that they really should do you know, uh, the Christmas story or something like that and do it year in and year out and make it a, a family tradition. affair. And well, a the ballet has, Ballet the Arkansas Nutcracker. does the Nutcracker every year. They're going to be in next weekend, I think. I'm going to talk to them oh, about wonderful. it. Oh, wonderful. It's a gorgeous show. Yeah, it chance. is good. Dance to the Sugar Plum Fairy. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I really do like this stuff a lot. A lot. I'm not a big ballet fan just because I don't understand all the moves. The moves mean things. They do. And you got to learn what they mean. <laughs> I'm not, I go to be entertained, not to be schooled. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, let's let's run over those shows again. Season tickets, how much are they this year? Um, well, they started back year? with Blue Man Group. But they um, range from under $100 up to 150 I think. That's right not now. bad. No. Think about it. You pay that much if you go to Broadway and see one show. So you can get some great seats. Um, they can go to CelebrityTractions.com. It has everything broken out. Um, but we, um, the next show would be on season would be Tootsie, Disney's oh, okay. Aladdin, and Legally Blonde, and My Fair Lady. All right. um, Chicago is an add-on to the season. Okay, so which if, means when is it going to be here? Um, it'll be here in March, um, right. actually on St. Patrick's Day weekend. Okay. And we have three performances, so our season subscribers will be the first ones in line to buy tickets for Chicago. Yep, I'm, I'm coming. So, I'm coming. Yeah. I'm, I, we were talking about this. I like Bob. I'm a big Bob Fosse fan. It is a big, it's a fun show. I mean, Fosse's kind of a cad, to be honest with you. He's not the kind of guy I probably would have hung out with. But but he can dance. Talented, <laughs> talented with choreography. Yes. You know, all the things that he did mm-hmm. uh, on, on stage. What was the, the Shirley MacLaine one that he, that he did? Well, he did about Fosse. The, like the and hookers and all of that. The, the Fosse did the choreography of that. Well, there's a show of Fosse. There's a show Fosse. Yeah, and then there's Chicago and Cabaret. Right. I'm not. I haven't. You may be reaching farther fi- in my brain than yeah, I can. Yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll I'll, I'll pull it up. I'll, we'll get it. Well, you got your brain out already. All right, so you can look. Uh, but uh, it, it was really a good show. But I, I got yeah Cabaret. I was talking to Deanna's probably like number two on my list of uh, shows that I like. And Sweet Charity. That's it. Sweet Charity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and it was about hookers. What can I say? <laughs> just, and he brought something good out of it. That's I mean, true. He really did. 
You really did. Have you seen the movie that's about Fosse? I have not. I mean, everybody knows the uh, the one, what was it, Schneider, uh, that he played you know, mm-hmm. Fosse. But uh, this is another, was a, um, a Netflix special. It was, okay. it was really good. It was, like I said, he was a cad, but he was talented. I can say that. Does anybody even call people cads anymore? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Heidi, I'm too old. I'm too old. I'm using I'm using words again that probably people don't even remember what they mean. So what are what are your hopes for the future? You've been you've been doing this for how many years now? I or do you not want to say? No, um, I started back in 1992. Wow. And so um, we aren't a staple like you're not gonna go to the grocery store and buy like you buy eggs or milk or have to have plumbing done or a roof repaired we are an experience and so we try to make people feel and now that we're back from being gone for 18 months during covid (laughs) because we couldn't have a show yeah um there's something special when you get to sit and experience a show with someone beside you yeah, because get it's sucked like a, into it, too. It's a communal experience. Yeah. And it's fun, and it's enjoyable, and it creates memories for people to talk about. And so we like to make people laugh and make them cry and yeah, think escape about a little bit from I the ga- world. I gave you a feel for that in this show. When I told you my brother, I was seven years old, mm-hmm. and he took me to see Stop the World, I Want to Get yeah. Off. I still remember it. I still remember where we sat. I was in the third row. I remember one of the things that I said to my mom. She said, how did you like the show? And I said, the guy spat on me. Wow. Because as <laughs> So newly, close. Yeah, we were so <laughs> close. You could, yeah. So the, so the people in the back could understand what he was saying. He was great. Anthony Newley was fantastic. What a talent that man was. Oh. And I, I noticed it at seven years old. <laughs> All right. Well, my favorite part is to watch people leave. So when they leave the show, and if they're singing along mm-hmm. or if they're tapping along, like after Stomp, you would see people rolling up their playbills and <laughs> drumming on everything they saw. Yeah, that is, um, that's my reward when people leave the show. So we just want people to have a great experience and make memories with their family. All so, right. Give them that number where they call um, or they where they go. They can call the box office at 501-551. I'm sorry. I almost gave you the wrong number. Okay. 244-8800. Or go to com. The box office is open during the day. Best way to buy tickets is, and the most inexpensive is go to Robinson Center from 9 to 4. All right. So, but thank you for having us on, and Man, we look forward to seeing you again. You're always soon. welcome here. You know that. I just like to talk to you about theater. Uh, that's fun. It's well, we'll a great talk time. To you again, the spring about all the other shows coming up. See Chicago for sure. <laughs> Do not miss it. Just all the tap dancing in it. It won't have Richard Gere in it, ladies. I'm sorry, but still, <laughs> it will be a great show. It is a great show. All right, we'll take a break. I'll uh, see you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. here on the Dave Ellswick Show. we got both the congressmen on tomorrow, and then uh, Eric is coming on from Hillside, you know, from uh, our folks at the jewelry store. We're going to talk to him and uh, discuss what's going on in the field of jewelry, what's hot and what's not, because Black Friday is just around the corner. Although you've had pre-Black Friday, what can I say? Have a good day. See you later.
Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.